the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast with John Taylor and Shan Carr. Welcome, friends and neighbors, to episode 48 of the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. I'm John Taylor, joined by my co-host, comedian Shan Carr. We have Brad Fur of Gay Desert Guide, Jimmy Bogle of Coachella Valley Independent, and Kaiser Permanente physician Dr. Laura Rush. Together, with their help, we're going to try and make some sense out of this crazy world we're living in. How's everybody doing today? Good. Yeah. Now, do, I notice, do I notice shorter hair on how many people got their hair cut? I'm going today at noon. Oh, you're going in. <laughs> 12 o'clock Next today. Week. I'm going to go Excellent. see Daniel at Brian O'Brien. Got mine yesterday. <laughs> I just matted mine down. I'm getting mine Tuesday. Yay. Jimmy? Next week, I'm hoping. <laughs> I might go for a flea dip as well. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so um, when we got on the uh, Zoom together, uh, Jimmy, you, you asked, is the country fixed yet? Did something happen overnight? Jeez. Oh, something has happened. Like it. <sighs> not the right that. something, but some somethings are starting to not fix anything, but start to fix the balance, a tiny, teensy smeck of a bit. I think you're right. I think the racial unrest is a, you know, a 400-year problem that people have their eyes on more than ever before. I think white people are starting to get into the conversation, and that's what is always... You know, men had to help with women's rights and still do. I'm constantly nagging you. Like, don't yeah. forget. Yeah. Right? And so it is about a whole world, about a whole community throwing their hat in and putting their hands together. And oh, I, I hope that we're going to be able to do that in this desert, too, because we are a pretty racially separate community. Definitely. Uh, well, I, I think we've had the perfect storm sort of leading up to this, too. I think with everybody feeling very stressed with the COVID epidemic and with the elections coming up and people were very much on edge. And with this happening, you know, we've seen this happen dozens of times before. Yeah. But this time it really got everybody. And, you know, all of the, you know, COVID be damned people are out there and they're going to protest and they're going to put their life on the line for this cause. And that's important. You know, I haven't seen this kind of uh, mobilization of everybody for anything. Right. You know, and then we're going, what, day nine of protests now? Yep. Yeah. Worldwide. Yeah. Worldwide. Ten, right? Worldwide. Yeah. I mean, they are protesting all over the world in solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've never seen anything like it. But like I said, this was a perfect storm. And I don't know that we would have had this kind of response if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic. I think, you know, everyone was just kind of, it was all right here and we're done. We're done. And we're not going to sit back and, and be abused like this. And we're not going to watch our brothers be abused and sisters be abused like this. We are going to be joined a little bit later on in the podcast with a couple of representatives from a group called brothers of the desert, Clifton Tatum and Andre Carthen are going to join us. And they're on a mission to build interpersonal relationships, nurture support, connect black gay men in the Coachella Valley through philanthropy and volunteerism and mentorship. And they're doing some good things. And um, we're going to try to find out how we can be better allies from so, the here brothers we are, of the desert. As basically we're five white people across yeah. the, as we look across our, our zoom today. Um, and as even as members of the LGBT community, we have gone through a lot in our lifetime. 
Um, but because of our skin color, many times we could hide who we are as being a gay man or a lesbian woman, et cetera. So we've, uh, while we've felt discrimination, we've felt issues over the years, we've had violence, we've had all kinds of things. It's just, it's not the same. And I guess all we can do is say that now we are, um, we are empathetic with, with what's going on in the world. But it is it is certainly a huge wake up call, I think, for me personally, to just be more aware of this systemic racism that this that 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 all of our uh, brothers and sisters have faced throughout the the centuries. I think we've um, all we've all seen it and heard it and experienced it, especially the LGBT community. Yeah. But there's something different this time. Yeah. You know, and, and I think we're all really feeling it right here. And it is a wake-up call that we all have to check ourselves. Cause, because you're right, we, we can hide behind our skin color, and they cannot. Yeah. And it, it's just awful. And like I said, something different has happened, and there's been a paradigm shift in how we're all responding to this. I um, was reading an article that was written by our good friend Alexander Rodriguez in GED uh, about the adult industry. And there was one particular just for fans model who was just spewing on Twitter unabashedly racist incendiary stuff. And he was dropped from the platform. And Alexander did an interview with Dominic, who is uh, the, um, the founder of just for fans and, yeah, he was just his his uh, stream of income was was shut off. They didn't want to be associated with him. Even Grinder has stopped um, allowing these racial preferences to be put in people's uh, profiles. I think the layers go forever and forever. And I, in one hand, even though I'm not a God person, I have prayer. And I can't even explain it. Like, it's the only way to hope through a channel. And in the other hand, I have cynicism. How many times have we been here? How can this be that much different? Like, between the prayer and the cynicism, it's about getting a wake-up call probably every freaking day. You know, it's like quitting smoking. You have to pick it every day. And I don't mean to, you know, put those on the same thing. But having an awareness and a wake-up call just isn't enough so together we band we commit to stay on target to stay on track with each other to call each other accountable to Absolutely. continue to integrate women into the show to continue to integrate black people people of black and brown color i mean we have to right everybody does so who is going on saturday to uh the uh palm springs protest anybody i'm going to cover it Okay. I have professional obligation, unfortunately. On we understand. We there understand. will be a protest every weekend. So, or, you know, so put yourself in something, right? Put I'm there. I'll be there every time, you know, we can be going forward. Unfortunately, I have to do work this weekend, but absolutely. So I think one of the interesting things is, um, Chen, you talked about whether or not this is just another, you know, is it just lip service? You know, I think the fact that we're seeing this around the world, that we're seeing so much support worldwide, we're seeing um, headlines like, you know, the police defunding, um, there, there's, you know, X millions of dollars in budget cuts to the police are now being proposed, not just talked about, but but actually proposed. And, you know, so I, there there is change. There is, 
if nothing, certainly if nothing else, but, but the awareness piece of this with the entire world watching is one thing, but there are movements. These officers probably never would have been charged, and now we've got one at second-degree murder and three others as accessories. So, Did you see this morning's report about another knee on the neck that happened in May? The video came out this morning of another, and it happened in May, and it's had no air. No. So, and was that was that in uh, Minneapolis? Nope, I think it was in ugh, like I can't remember. Okay, some hillbilly Florida or some shit. I got well, to one, I got to watch a little bit. I'm um, go ahead, Jimmy. Sorry, one thing that I think it's important to note is you know we're talking about racism in general, but I think this is highlighting a very specific kind of racism and problem in this country, and that's police violence. Um, we've written over the years in The Independent about a project that my friend Brian Berghart, a friend of mine from the Reno News and Review back in Reno, Nevada, RIP, um, a newspaper that the pandemic uh, has claimed. But uh, he actually started this project called Fatal Encounters because he realized after a police death in Reno that um, there wasn't a national database, even though the FBI should be keeping track of this, of people who have died, rightly or wrongly, at the hands of police officers. So he created one. He went, and there's about 22,000 records in it, going all the way back to 2000 with some grant money and a team of volunteers. And Fatal, Fatal Encounters keeps going. And um, May was the first time, was basically the largest month in terms of people dying at the hands of police officers that he knows of since Fatal Encounters uh, data set going back to 2000. We are on pace this year, despite the pandemic, and this was even before uh, everything um, started eight or nine days ago. We are on pace to have the deadliest year since 2000, since we have this database now um, of people dying at the hands of police officers. So something is wrong there. Something is very wrong there, and I think that this is, is bringing that bringing that to the forefront and it needs to be brought to the forefront well and may was already the most fatal month more than 200 yes already this month which is more than any month has ever had in their record so far and the three months before also over 130 150 100 yep. and, right so it's been climbing already before any of this and i mean well, just the fact that this website exists fatal encounters i was your your newsletter last night, everything in it was either traumatic or ridiculous. I mean, it was your newsletter again, I just have to say, was riveting. I wrote a bunch of notes, which I can't find, but. Well, thank you. I, I, I wish it weren't so riveting and depressing right now, but this is the times we live in. Um, the, this, number, this number may have gone up, but 203 people, according to Fatal Encounters, um, have uh, passed away um, in May. June, wow. In May, and we're over 800 for the year. Now I'm wondering if the, how directly related, an interesting correlation with the increase in um, unemployment, and so leading to an increase in crime, leading to an increase in police encounters. And are they are they feeling stressed and overwhelmed with what's going on out there? Sure. So Both you know, sides. yeah, people are people are desperate and. It is not an easy job. You know, I, I take care of a lot of law enforcement and I have a lot of friends and family who are law enforcement and the stress that they're under and the ability to think rationally is not always there in the heat of the moment. That doesn't excuse anybody. 
because what happened, um, you know, to George Floyd is just inexcusable. What happens to a lot of these people is inexcusable. But I think we need to look at the causes and the training and the stress that these individuals are under when they're making these decisions and these things are happening. It's, there's going to be no easy answer to this. Um, while we're seeing an increase, like I said, in, in the number of cases, is it part of the police culture or law enforcement culture? Yeah. I think so. I think there's some sort of systemic issues wrong in that culture that need to be addressed. And this is not going to change overnight. This is going to be like what's happening in this country, a generational change. This is going Thank to take a God. I got to tell you, last, last night I, I got to watch uh, some of the town meeting that was uh, sponsored by my brother's keeper and Black Lives Matter with President Obama. Um, wow. The, the conversation was riveting. They did about an hour and a half, and it, it was constructive and instructive and wise and tempered and of course nice to have a leadership and presidential voice again isn't it i yeah. felt better i really did feel better i imagine watching this conversation i mean they were talking about some serious shit but they were doing it in a way that was grown up the sense of reasonable leadership is the comfort that none of us have had the luxury have had the luxury, what every president this week wrote something about, you know, how this is just not coming together properly. I, I personally am thinking, go ahead. He's losing it. He's losing it. I mean, he hasn't already lost it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it's, there is a tipping point. I don't believe anything will ever kill him and God forbid somebody kills him and he's a saint to the, to the horribles or, it's just all kind of spooky. I personally am going to turn to the Sesame Street Town Hall. So Saturday, is that what it is? Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, that's more of my... That's more of our speed. Yeah. right now. I, you know, we all need something calming right now. Because this is, it really is too much. It's too much. I mean, we joke and be like, oh, what's, what are we going to see in June? You know, we had the murder hornets and you know, yeah. pandemics and everything else that's happening and ridiculous unemployment. It's, it, it, it's too much. It's too much for us all to be to taking in on an hourly and daily basis. And we're flooded with the news. We're flooded with social media and it's overwhelming and you have to take a break from it. You do. I mean, it's important to get out this weekend and, mm-hmm. and support the cause and to protest. It's equally important to be safe when you're doing it. But we all need to take a break from it, too, because it is overwhelming. How can you? It's on your back. Every bit of it. It's in the swimming pool with me. It's, you know, no, it is the ice cubes in the drink I try and wash away all of this with. It's. As I, got a, fact, I got a, uh, um, a message from uh, my friend Tierney Sutton, who's been on the show, jazz singer, longtime friend. And she had a prayer Zoom meeting with about nine people. And many were musicians and singers. One was a Navajo uh, who, Indian who uh, did some, you know, Navajo chants and played some sort of indigenous instrument. It was, and there was a lot of space between each person when they contributed, a lot of quiet between. And I have to tell you, and Shan knows and Brad knows, I have not been in the best of mental health over the last week. I felt better. So we have to have that time or self-care. 
Well, if I can, if I can go there for a second as well, the the solace that I gain almost daily is I listen to KCRW. Um, that's the Santa Monica Public Radio Station, and mm -hmm. from nine to noon each day, it's morning becomes eclectic. And a uh, DJ named Ann Litt, who I've always adored over the years. She's, she was doing weekends. Now she does the 9 to noon. And the, the way in which she mixed the music and the messages, it was um, some of the best radio that I've heard in years. Um, and it just, it, it, it really brought down, you could tell she was doing it for the whole community as the riots were happening in Los Angeles over the past week. And it just continues to uh, how she can just bring these songs that some we know and some we don't, but the lyrics and the, the tempo and everything else that she puts together is, is absolutely amazing. It's one of the things, John, that you and I have always known that radio can do. Um, radio in its earlier days, before we had this glut of other media, radio was really out there at the forefront, um, you know, uh, causing people to think and, and, and music would, you know, lift you up or calm you down or make you, you know, more agitated, whatever the case may be. Um, but, but that's my little shout out today and something that I found solace in. I was... Um, Go. Sorry, I just have to ask to talk about the other big topic out there. Um, Dr. Rush, what are your thoughts on um, how this, pro, how these protests and how even kind of taking our eye off the ball justifiably and need, needed, but of the, of the pandemic, how do you think this is going to affect that? It's so hard to say stay home right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, my heart is really in with this community and I, you know, I even put something on my Facebook page, you know, last night. I was like, I, you need, it's important to get out there and show support. It's important to watch out for each other. So if you're going to protest, please be wearing a mask. You know, make sure you're, you're maintaining space. Spread the hell out when you're out there. You know, people are yelling, people are chanting. So, you know, things are coming out of your mouth and stuff. So p particles, droplets are coming out with chants. So I worry about this. I, I, I haven't seen anybody with any respiratory infection in weeks, but you know, it's out there. And you know, the, the desert sun also posts every day, some, some charting what I was doing with, from the Riverside County Department of Public Health, their data, mm. we're still rising in Riverside County. And yeah. if people are gonna be coming in from all over to, to attend these protests, then we, I don't know where they're coming from, but I just want people to please be careful I am expecting to see a spike. I, I am so worried about New York City. Yeah. You know, that's my hometown. And with everything that's happening there, with the groups of people that are not maintaining safe distances, a lot of people not wearing masks, uh, protesters, protesters being um, arrested and shoved in buses and, you media. know, on top of each other, right? Media being arrested. Um, and, and, you know, these things are not, they're not being kept safe. They're not being socially distanced appropriately. I, I anticipate we're going to see a lot more cases. Okay. We already started to see an increase in the number of COVID cases. Again, we're having a little bit of a blip. I think we're going to see a big blip in LA, probably Riverside, New York, the major cities, Minneapolis. We're, we're going to see it. So I also want to address actually from Jimmy's newsletter last night, I, I, I accessed a small piece of information. Uh, the craziness of the two Italian doctors who came out saying that now the COVID virus is weaker. 
I haven't seen anything. I haven't seen anything about that. No, I didn't see anything. I, I, the good news I can share is that, you know, at least they're saying that we're looking at having a working vaccine by, you know, by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So that's positive. That is was positive that, news. Was that something from your newsletter, Jimmy? Yeah, there were a couple of Italian doctors that came out and started saying saying that basically the patients they're seeing now with COVID have a much lower viral load than the patients that they did at the height of this. And the WHO actually stepped in and said, wait, no, this is not. Okay. <laughs> this, this isn't a thing. And they're saying that, you know, that could be because, um, you know, just there's less COVID out there in general. But clearly, clearly, I, I, I thought that was interesting and I included it for that reason. But, you know, deaths here are still going up and, you know, in a lot of places, especially in South America now, um, just across the border in Mexico, which is flooding into Imperial County, we're seeing big spikes. So clearly this is still a big danger. Um, you know, it's, it it's, yeah. And, and, and it's still, you know, it's going to be lasting. You know, I thought we'd see it really dip down for, for now in June and things would be relaxed and they are relaxing as I anticipated, but I think we're going to see a blip. Um, I don't think they're going to be able to, you know, the horses out of the barn. I don't think they're going to be able to tell everybody, oh, sorry, we're going to cut restrictions again because I think it's, it's it'll be too much to bear. Um, I, I don't think people will go back to, you know, shutting down restaurants and shops and stuff. I think that would be too much. So I think whatever happens is we're going to have to deal with it as it happens. Fortunately, our hospitals were not overwhelmed and they were able to handle the COVID cases out here in Southern California, and we'll keep our fingers crossed. Fortunately, like I said, you know, people are um, are very good about maintaining, you know, distance and wearing masks. I'm seeing a big improvement in that. I'm just going to have to keep our fingers crossed and, and pray and send out good vibes that it, it's not that bad. I, I, saw, I saw your post on Facebook last night, and you said that we have, um, we have a, what did, what did you call it, a fragile population? We do. And I like to think of us more as precious. <laughs> <laughs> but what I wanted to know is, you know, are people doing the normal self-care? Um, are people taking care of their diabetes? Are people taking care of their, you know, their usual doctor visits that might be a little more often in a fragile population? They are. People are, are doing really, really well about maintaining them, their bodies and, and their chronic illnesses. So we're doing a lot. Uh, almost all my stuff is virtual. I have been seeing patients. I'm probably seeing, I'm up to five and a half days, so 10 patients a day. It's mostly urgent stuff. But everybody else seems to be pretty good. The, the, my diabetic patients are they're checking their blood sugars. I think they're a little scared, you know, um, that, hey, I can't get in to see the doctor. I have to kind of be on my best behavior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have seen, it's interesting, I've seen a lot of patients with some weight gain because they just, they can't get out. They can't exercise. Um, they're stress eating. <laughs> yeah. Right? So that's that's everybody. Everyone's kind of stress eating. And so I'm seeing a couple little blips in blood sugars that I ordinarily wouldn't expect in some people, but they're like, well, I'm eating chips and bread and, you know, the comfort food is the stress. The townie, the townie bagel uh, fairy <laughs> delivered bagels to almost everybody in my complex last <laughs> night. So I know. Yeah. And we had a lot of places, you know, bringing us food like you guys did from Dickie's and and it's been great. And, you know, every day there's, there's donuts and stuff in the break room. So there's, there's a, there's a lot of temptation out there. So nobody's so. delivering carrots and celery. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you some. 
But no, people are are, are taking are really taking really good care of themselves, and you know my <laughs> HIV patients to take excellent care of themselves in general. So. Um, if I can say, though, on a national level, though, we've linked to some stories in The Independent that that isn't necessarily the case everywhere. Right. That due to people being afraid and due to the fact that a lot of people have lost insurance and right. don't have the knowledge to or the ability um, to go and sign up for some of the assistance that the government can offer, or maybe they can't even access it right now because it's overwhelmed. That isn't the case everywhere. This is a problem in a lot of places where people are not, including the HIV community, people are not getting what they need. They're not taking care of themselves. So I'm very glad that you're seeing that um, here. But like I said, we've, we've linked to some articles that show some national data that's a little alarming. Uh, yeah, in other places here. I mean, here in Palm Springs, like I said, we have a very specific community. It's a big retirement community. Uh, it's a little bit of an older population. And the people that have settled here, you know, here with certain um issues that pertaining to lifestyle and age group and socioeconomic status. Mm -hmm. So it's Palm Springs. Yep. And um, I'm taking care of this population. And it's a great population. It's a very strong community and with great community support and resources. I'm fortunate I get to, you know, be a physician out here. Yeah, but in other parts of this country and other parts of the world, people are missing out on healthcare. They're missing out on doctor appointments. They can't get medications. They're losing their job. They can't afford medications. It's happening. You know, we're, I we're lost my health insurance last week. And because there is a group here in our town called Elfun, they reached out to me. I didn't even, I would never have called them and they reached out to me and they just reinstated my health insurance for me. So wow. there is help out there. There is help out there. Wow. We're glad to know, especially in the LGBT community, Dr. Rush, that you are there for us and that you're there for us specifically with I Love Gay Palm Springs. Thank you so much. Yeah. You, you guys have a great weekend and be safe on Saturday. I'm there with you in spirit. All right. Love you. Seeing pictures. Bye-bye. And now we welcome to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast a couple of guys that are kind of movers and shakers in a group called the Brothers of the Desert, and they are on a mission to build uh, interpersonal relationships, support, connection for gay black men in the Coachella Valley, and they do philanthropy, volunteerism, mentorship, education, advocacy, and social networking. And, and I think I have a background for you guys. I'm, I got a Zoom background of your Facebook page. I can choose a virtual background, and there are the brothers of the mm. desert. If, yeah, there they are, ah, right there. Fabulous. On Thank Facebook, you. you can see many yes. of the brothers of the desert over my balding head. Great. <laughs> that on there. So we've been going through this, this uh, period of time uh, over the last nine days, which of course is an extension of what's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years here. I wanted to ask you guys, my friends here and neighbors, how can we be better allies? Well, first, just let me say, um, for the Brothers of the Desert, thank you for having us on and for caring enough to ask the question. So that's already a start, you know. Um, I think everyone, there's so many people who are asking the same things of themselves. Good. Uh, I'm sorry, did you say something? I said good that there yes. are so many people. Yeah, yeah there, there really are. I think um, 
it's it's shameful to take this this long to happen because as you know you know Cliff will tell you as well that's what we've grown up with been that way for us all our lives so if there wasn't a camera there the same thing would still be happening so to address how to be better allies um, certainly to be more aware uh, and I won't I won't hog it off don't to Cliff um, no I'm just saying it's important to to listen I think it's the most important thing so many people like on Facebook want to jump up and speak on some aspect of the movement without really having a visceral connection to it. I mean, my I don't have a lot of aggressive racism in my past, but when you're raised a small child and you're told that the home you, you lived in before you were born, my parents had to actually take turns sitting in the living room with shotguns because there were people who were uh, marching in front of the home, petitioning the home, they were, um, they burned a cross in our yard. And this is an Oxnard. And so even though that wasn't my personal experience, when I'm told about this at five years old, how I can't play in the front yard, um, you, try to, you try to visualize these things and you try to look at people that look normal and realize behind those eyes is a lot of rage, but you don't know where it's coming from. And so it kind of puts, I'll say myself, on guard, especially when I'm in new areas where I'm being welcomed as a black man or I'm trailblazing in some movement or, or organization. And so it's important to listen and, 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 and learn and then act because you really can't in one, one week event understand the hundreds of years of um, oppression. You know, it's everyone's story is different. And um, my story has a lot of, let's say, I would say unaggressive racial, you know, racism. I think the, the first thing, I was seven years old, I went to a pool and I love swimming. And so I wanted to join the pool uh, swimming club. And my mom took me to the pool and I'm standing there about seven, eight years old. And there's this huge city pool filled, you know, with kids. And, and uh, I'm all excited. I have my swimsuit on like every kid goes to the pool with a swimsuit and, and, and in my, and my, you know, gear. And my mom said, Hey, my son would like to join the swim club. And he says, Oh, there's no room. And as a kid, I'm jumping down, pointing at the pool. No, right over there, mom, see that corner over there. I can swim in that corner over there. And she kind of hushes me and explains, you know, he explains to her that the pool membership was full and to come back next year. And so she explained to me as we're leaving, she said, I'm not going to allow the fact that they told me there was no room for you. And then you come up drowned. And I insisted that you join. And I said, they don't, she says, they don't want your black ass here. Okay. So just, just, just go home. And I, it's those little micro tears at a young age. And probably the last one of my experience is getting, and I, I, I pulled up, getting this document from a mortgage company saying that myself and 76,000 black and Latino uh, mortgage people are who put out loans for mortgage were uh, charged based, our, our credit score was not taken into consideration. It was your ethnic background. And so your rate of interest was based on your ethnicity. And of course, this is like six, seven years down the road. And I'm getting this letter and I'm saying, and it just asks you, are you black? Are you Latino? I check black. And, and three weeks, four weeks later, I get a check for 300 and some odd dollars where they had charged me excessive fees and they had charged me a higher interest rate, not based on my scores. So it's those little things that makes people 
like leery, you know. So right there in black and white, somebody at least took accountability for the. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's interesting, Sean Chan, because when something like this comes to light, and it, and it basically says the reason why you're getting this is because black borrowers and this mortgage lending from 20, uh, 2002 to two thousand eight, you know, were discriminated against. It's like, well, who told? <laughs> you know, you have this multi, you know, conglomerate. And someone had to snitch that they were charging blacks and Latinos. So, well, I bet it was some black person. Well, it, it may or may not, because you know, as you go on, you know, things get revealed, and someone may have been angry. You never know. Some secretary was that a class action lawsuit. Cliff was it a class action? It was a class action. Yeah. Well, so, so a lawyer got some money out of the deal. Yeah. So it's Good. little, it's, it's little microaggressions that live in the life of a black person. So from now on, the, the, every mortgage I filed after that, I white ethnicity white. Good for you. <laughs> you, you had also, a, we, we, go, go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry, Andre. Go ahead. I was going to say that um, you know we want to do the census so that we're counted on, we're counted for um, as part of the population. And then you find out something like this happens. You go, what do I say? I'm black or not? It's you know, it, like Cliff said, there's so many things like that that happen that are a daily part of our lives. First home I bought in North Hollywood said. Not to be sold to Negroes. It was there on the on the original, you know, deed of the house. Yeah. Now, by the time I came on, we had the original deed, and so that's you face that all the time. Um, and it's interesting because then someone will say, "Well, you know, it's a black thing." They go, "Oh, here we go with the black thing." Well, you know, <laughs> there was a list that said, "You know, put your hand down, put your finger down if, if these things have happened to you. Have you been pulled for being black? Yes. Have people, you know, walked a different on the other side of the street because you're black? Yes. Has a woman grabbed your purse because you're black? Yes." Have you gotten out the elevator because you're black? Yes. And, you know, all those things happen. And you just become a little numb to them. You know, you're so used to it. Uh, my first partner for 25 years was white. And so we'd go places and, you know, we'd leave. I said, you do I the only black person there. Because I didn't think about it. I said, it's, I'm so used to it. It's not a big deal. And then we went, one time we went place, oh, to a place, and he was the only white person there. He was, I see how you feel. I said, you have no idea how I feel. Because half the people there wanted to sleep with you. They didn't hate you. People we go places. They did not want me there, and certainly had hatred towards me. So it's a huge difference. Um, I think going back to the question you ask is really being aware. Like Cliff said, listening, be aware of what's going on. And people are now are taking a stance. They're on social media. They're writing letters. They're they're marching, which is all great. But that needs to happen all the time when you see injustice. When you see it's not right or you it doesn't feel right it's, it needs to be spoken about then you know i think that's the the, the immediate thing that needs to happen that so just need to be aware. are you are you feeling that this time it's different are you feeling that is 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 life going to go back to the way it was in a few months in six months or a year or do you actually see a sea change that's happening Wow, that's a great question. Well, remember who's in office. So I think we're, we, we're forever changed um, as far as our lives are concerned. And that has given a lot of people you know, the liberty to feel like they can say and do whatever they want to do. So that's the scary part. I, I told someone just recently, as an adult male, this is the first time ever in my life I've been afraid. You know, like I'm a child, I, don't, I can't defend myself. But as an adult male, like Cliff said, I, I'm actually afraid because I don't know what's going to come at me and when it's going to come at me and from who. And, you know, it's a yeah. Cliff, I wanted to ask you about, um, uh, you know, you had a career 
uh, that was in corrections and, and law enforcement. How how do you view this you know schism between law enforcement and the general public? Well, you know, there's a there is a there's two things happening. There's the mindset of the officers working together as a group, and they all have each other's back. And then there are the officers who are who are truly racist. It's going to be interesting for this trial because I look at the photos of the four officers and it's going to be interesting to hear what they have to say because I was telling my partner, David, who's white, I said, I bet you these three other officers sing like birds. They're going to tell everything they've ever heard because they know their life is on the line. And But at the same time, they probably going to, their defense is, I didn't touch them. I didn't touch them. And so sometimes just not acting supports racism. I mean, there's been many occasions where I've been with a group of white guys who will say, don't take this personal. This is really funny. Or this, I'm not racist, but here's this joke. And see, the thing is, there's a difference between people saying I'm not a racist versus I'm anti-racist. You know what I'm saying? The person says, I'm not racist. You know, they spin on their heels and they walk away. The person who's anti-racist takes a stand, calls, calls things out as they are, calls their friends out, calls their politicians out. Calls, and that's what this is all about, because you can't just say you're not a racist in a society that was built on racism and that you're receiving all the rewards and benefit of a right. systemic society that was based on racism, but then say, it's not me. I didn't own slaves. I didn't call anybody right. other name. Yeah, but you're getting all the privileges and all the rights and all the comforts that go with being in the power position where I'm not racist either, but I don't have those benefits. So there's a, it's, a, it's a learning, it's an education, it's a sensitivity. Racism doesn't just mean hate. Okay. Right. It means privilege. Racism is access. Racism is the privilege of being ignorant about racial issues. Mm-hmm. Racism is apathy, you know? So racism comes in a variety of ways. And, and people, what one thing this is going to happen, it's definitely going to happen, is going to change, is people are going to become more sensitized. They're going to have to understand and be cognizant of their own biases because they're being called out by friends. I mean, I've seen a lot of sweet guys who, who love me dearly who said a lot of ignorant things on Facebook just mm-hmm. simply out of ignorance. They don't realize that, that black people aren't uh, in support of destruction of public property, but there's a rage going on. And sometimes in a rage, you're not even aware of what you're doing, you know, or, 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 you know, or, or how you got swept up in it all because just out of anger. Are you guys going to be represented in the um, Saturday protest in Palm Springs? We did get that notice. Who's who started it? I'm, I'm sorry. Do you know who's organizing it? No, Jimmy. Hmm. I was, we were just curious. I know. Um, the, I, I do I, know I uh, some uh, youth. I don't know the exact details, but I know that um, some youth, um, some youth organizations have done it. Yeah. I know Christy Holstedge has been involved on the very outskirts of it. Um, so I, I don't I don't know the exact people, but I, I, I from what I understand, that's some youth groups that have, that have done this yeah, one. I do I do believe some of the brothers are going. So yes, 
Yeah, I, but, I, but my feeling is that it's not really how many black people are going, it's how many allies are going. Well, and that's what I was about to say is I plan to go and I would be honored to march with the brothers if there is a presence or a contingent. Yeah, me too. Can I, can I march with you guys? Absolutely. <laughs> I'd be proud to. <laughs> no, I, but it, is, it really is, like Cliff said, you're standing up and seeing it because it exists daily. And if we don't start doing something or recognizing or calling people out on it, it's going to continue. And, you know, it's even worse sometimes when people say, well, I'm colorblind. Don't be colorblind. Look at the color. You know, yeah. I'm like, I told friends, someone else said that. I said, you know what? It's no, you're not colorblind. You recognize and, and love the beauty of the color and, and support it and raise it up because of what it is, because of difference. Don't, don't say you're colorblind because, you, you know, that's not true. Because there's a yeah. difference and not seeing the difference is not respecting what the difference is. Absolutely. It's not an elevated position to be colorblind. No. I also want to say that... I think it was, I, I can't access the date, but either 1968 or 1978, redlining became illegal. Like it became so obvious all those 50 years ago that people were being discriminated against in real estate. There are laws around it and it wasn't a tipping point because you fell on it and you fell on it in all those years later. I think a lot of people also don't know that the first neighborhood ever to organize in Palm Springs was Desert Highlands, right? Yep. Yeah. And and it was around race because they had a community and white people were upset that they were being, I mean, right. I would love <laughs> to talk a little bit at some point. Yeah, but but you said, again, recognizing that and seeing it and celebrating, oh, no, you know what? That's not how it started. This is how it started. Right. And why are we putting down the same people that, that we are? You know, it's just, it doesn't make sense. And a lot of things are happening out of anger, um, which is frightening. Well, you know, we're hoping we're hope it's going to turn around, but who knows? It's a little, it's a little, um, we're all uneasy right now. Yeah. Well, that goes back to my question is, you know, do you, do you have hope? Do you, do you both have hope that there will be long-term systemic change out of what's happening? I wouldn't say it's necessary out of this event, but there's an awareness. And I think what happens is the awareness makes its way to the polls and the awareness makes its way to our, our, our politicians and, 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 and businesses who are affected by the destruction of riots all of a sudden go, you know what? I was running my little mom pop grocery store just fine. And now I have to be aware of what's happening in my community. You know, I can no longer sit back and just arbitrarily support the police no matter what they do. I have to, I have a role in this, you know, so many people feel like, well, I'm not racist, so I don't have to participate. And then, and then when something happens to their property, oh my God, why does it happen to me? I'm not a racist. Well, you know what? It's a human movement. It's not just black people's problems. It's a human. And, you know, the old saying, you know, if mom ain't happy, no one's not happy. If the disadvantaged ain't happy, no one is going to be, no one's safe, you know, until everyone is treated equally. No one, you know, Beverly Hills, you know, your local ghetto, whatever. No one's safe until we're all, that's why it's important that we all participate. And it's, and it's like, if I, if I see 5,000 black people standing outside of, you know, Starbucks and on Indian Canyon, it's not about that. It's about 5,000 white folks standing on Indian Canyon saying, this is it. We're done. You know, all this privilege we've enjoyed for the last 400 years, it's over. I know it's over. 
you know, and, and it has to be felt. It doesn't have, it, it can't be forced, you know. So I think there's always hope. I mean, that's how we live our lives. We guarantee stay hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's how we day. get up in the morning is hope. Yeah, you know, and I, for the first time ever, they said there was protests in every single state. Every single state had a protest. So that's and amazing. Around the world. Around the world. Yes, and around the world. So we, we're getting so much support from everyone. Yeah. Something's going to happen. We still know what. And I don't know if it's going to get better before it gets worse. Uh, uh, uh. That's what's scary. Yeah, well, and that's it was, that hope, and it needs to be partnered with commitment and connection. Yes. The, Absolutely. So we commit to you, the brothers in the desert. If you need engagement, if you want support, we're here. So reach out. I know that I'm part of the Elf Fund and have been since the very beginning. And that is the only real lesbian organization in the Valley to truly reach out and care for women in mm -hmm. crisis, women in education. And so I would love to team up the the Elf Fund and the Brothers of the Desert and let's friggin' change the world. Yeah, exactly, exactly. For our yeah. town. Thank you so much. And we, and we feel the support. So that's that's what's great that we can wake up each day going, we have a group, we have a town that supports us. And, you know, that's wonderful. That's a great start. Reach out. Call on us, please. Absolutely. Thanks for being on with us today. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. Andre Carthen, Cliff Tatum. We'll see you guys Saturday, most likely. Yeah. See you later. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. We are joined by someone you know very well. Uh, he is running IBC, the International Bear Convergence, uh, which, of course, it is not. A, a, it actually happened before the pandemic. Thank God, it was great. Correct. Correct. And Lucky. he is also the creator and publisher of thestandardps.com, which is a fabulous online lifestyle magazine with uh, lots of uh, cool stuff. You got to check it out. It's Nino Islets. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm well. How are you guys doing? You have room darkening shades, I can tell. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> you know, thanks for joining us today. We had a couple of things we wanted to chat with you about. Okay. Um, one, one specifically is, um, you know, every month you publish an online version of the Standard PS Magazine. And sometimes we can link to an article or two. Um, but we haven't had you on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. And, yes, uh, and I'm heard about that. Yes, and, and, and I thought it was high time that we uh, talk about what you have coming up in your magazine this month. We let Jimmy talk about what he has coming up in the Independent each month. So Hi, Jimmy. Time. You get equal time today. Um, and we also, we wanted to just get a little update on what's happening in the, in the bear community because on GayDesertGuy.com, we just uh, recently published, and I think we uh, used you as one of the sources for an article called All, all About Bears. And yes. we thought there'd be nobody better to tell us all about bears than Nino. Oh, well, I don't know about that, but, you know, I'll, I'll throw in a little, you know, my expertise with, with, with the whole thing. I don't know what, what you want to call it, but I don't know all things bears, but I know enough. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did you happen to start IBC? I know, well, it was actually started by someone else. You took it over a few years ago, correct? Correct. Um, myself and my business partner, George Frank, uh, came on board uh, just as a consultant 
uh, with the previous uh, owner of the event. Um, then in 2017, we officially took it over when he decided he wanted to just go back east and do his thing, um, which was fine. And uh, so from then on, we for the last two years, 20, 2017, 2018, and 2019, we really you know, kicked it up a notch. And then 2020 was really, really uh, a fun time. And um, obviously we were very fortunate and very lucky to be able to, to put on the event just before everything went crazy with COVID. And, and, and uh, so we were very fortunate to be able to do that. And it was kind of like the last hurrah before all the crazy started. No doubt. Yeah. So tell, tell me something special about what, what goes on. Like what's a, What's a highlight that everybody waits for for IBC every year? Well, mainly, well, there's two things. The the pool parties. Everybody just goes nuts over the pool parties, uh, and uh, and even though it's in a smaller venue, which is Hotel Zoso, compared to how it was in the first two years of the event before we took it over, uh, people tend to enjoy it more because it's a little bit more cozy than having the large pool like at the you know at the previous event, venue where everything was kind of clickish. Um, the, that's one of the events. And then the Saturday night concert is usually pretty, uh, pretty, uh, monumental. Who'd you have this year? We had, uh, alternate this year. Um, so it was, it was, you don't know who that is. Yeah. She sings free. Oh, well, I love that. Yeah, I'm terrible. So you know it. You hear, the thing is, you hear her songs, you hear her songs and hear her music. Yeah. Oh, that's who sings it kind of thing. You well, know? you know, when you're in a club, they don't announce who it is. Correct. And yeah, that we Correct. played that one on K-Gay a lot. Yeah. What's yeah, a club? I I know know, what are you talking about a club? Yeah, really? What is a club? What's a bar? What's a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's so, making headlines? What's making headlines in the standard? Well, this month, we, what we did was, uh, obviously, it's uh, Gay Pride Month, yeah. uh, June, and we put an emphasis on global pride. Um, I was able to get uh, a, a brief article from Stephen Taylor, who is uh, part of the, uh, he's a board member of the European Pride uh, Organization, um, and he talked a little bit about what's going to be happening with that. And the event's going to take place on the 27th of June, uh, which is uh, the Stonewall anniversary Stonewall. And it's a 24-hour event. And they're going to have speakers. They're going to have performers. They're going to have all kinds of things happening, which a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the pride organizations throughout the country and throughout the world actually are doing a lot of virtual prides anyway. So, so you're able to do, to, to kind of still be proud of what's happening and, and not, have to worry about going out and people. Do you know what we're out. doing here? Um, actually, there is a when you if you read the magazine this month, there okay. is a uh, Rhonda Hart has uh, who is the executive director of Palm Springs Pride uh, has a, a, a blurb in there talking about what's happening with uh, Palm Springs Pride as well uh, during Global Pride. Uh, the actual Pride in November, there's no he hasn't really talked much about. No, I just mean. So you're not going to give away what Palm Springs is doing for World Pride. You got to go to the standardps.com. Hello. <laughs> well, you go you go to standardps.com and you click on uh, read current issue. That then okay. you can have the whole magazine too. Right. But we can also we can also talk about the fact that Ron is a part of this organization. Yeah. He's he's in the planning process for the 24 hour Right. Right. And he he actually he 
part of everything. I mean, Ron is just, he's spread, <laughs> he's like cloned himself, I think. As many things he is a miracle in action, yeah. that man. Yeah. And then also what we did is we did a, um, a uh, interview uh, called Pride, A Deeper Love. And uh, one of my contributing writers, Maxi Menes, interviewed some celebrities in the in the in the LGBT field, you know, uh, Lady Bunny and David Hernandez and several others, and asking them what they're planning on doing during this time, during the upheaval, during you know everything that's happening. So they put in their little uh, um, more than two cents worth of of information uh, to let you know what they're thinking about and how they're supporting our our community as well. Um, another thing that we're doing this month is uh, another article that we that we that we received was um, a, the gay advocate. Uh, her name is Ashley Marie Preston. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with her, but uh, she has put together a campaign to talk to um, many of the large corporations who donate to Pride uh, events throughout the country. I'm asking them to, since they're not going to have the actual celebrations and they're not actually going to have those funds and those monies sent to those organizations, she's asking them to donate a portion of them, of that, that, that money that they're not going to be using back into the community and back into, you know, to help uh, the fight with COVID and, and, and all the pride organizations to help them still maintain what they do. So that's a pretty good article. And she's, she's, uh, she's working on, on, uh, she she she's she's pretty cool lady i mean she really really is and and she gets in your face that's for sure and you, you know it, it it's there's, there's obviously on, on all the all my articles and all the, uh, the things that i'm doing in the magazine there are ways to connect to those folks and and you could you know emails and uh, not emails but the websites and maybe facebook pages and and uh instagram and so on all right so i want to ask as each of us are challenged now to make the pivots and be part of the change not just for lgbt people but what's going on worldwide you you have an unbelievable platform yep. you are Thank a person you. of color Thank is you. there something that you are going to use your platform is there a way that you can engage in a way to make a change of I don't know what I'm asking, but well, well this is the thing. I mean, so many people have done a lot, and and obviously, my 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 voice is a, a, a small voice out there compared to how many other folks are out there commenting on on what's happening. Um, you know, I, my main thing, and and what I tell a lot of people, and I mean, it sounds hokey sometimes, but you know, the the, the way that we're going to have to change, put a big change to this, is we all have to get out there and vote. We all have to get out there and say, hey, you know what? We're tired of this. We're tired of the crazy. We need to, to take a stand and tell people that who are representing us that this is what we need. Because obviously, we vote these folks in and we tell these folks they establish the policies and so on and so forth. Because, you know, we have to make sure that they hear what we're saying and hear it out loud. And I'm sure right now they are. A lot of them are. A lot of them still are, are kind of blind and deaf to, to what's going on. But the majority, the vast majority, I think, are, are coming around and realizing that this is a crazy time and we can't stand for it anymore. Do we? Does anybody know what the actual number of Americans who voted in the presidential election? Is it like 40? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Was it? Does that, million? I'll, I'll be looking that shit up. Okay, there you go. Let me know as soon as you find out for sure because I'm, you know, 
it's it's it, it is it is kind of crazy and i know that uh they were talking about that I, I read an article about especially in the lgbt community that the voting uh, percentages were hey, kind of low how many people voted in the 2016 election oh look at that hey google here's what i found from puresearch.org uh, a record 137.5 million Americans million. voted in the 2016 presidential election, voted. according to new data from the U.S. Census Bureau. Well, ask it what the percentage of Americans is. Come on. <laughs> it's less than half. It's about 40%. Yeah. It's okay. about four. We were right. About 40%. Okay. Uh-oh. All right. Tell us something happy. Come on. Oh, well, uh, there's another article in uh, a publication this month. It's an interview with uh, Miles Myers, who's the founder of the first LGBTQ credit union. Whoa. And um, it's a pretty good article. He talks about how what how he had how he went about getting it and doing it. And uh, the honorary chair of the uh, of of the. Actual credit union is uh, activist and actor Alan Cumming, and he's oh. uh, on the board and everything like that. So he's making it, and it's and it's happening. And it's called Superbia is the name of the, uh, uh, of, the uh, of the credit. They couldn't call it fabulous, right? <laughs> so um, if they if they op- if you open an account, what do you get? A purse. Uh, a a purse. Oven? <laughs> you get that rainbow stamp to put rainbow on your money. Stamp on your, exactly. It's a special money and so on. But uh, yeah, it, 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 it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good interview. And uh, yeah, again, the trials and tribulations and everything he went through to get it. And, and again, another feather in the cap, in our cap, I think, uh, you know, to, to, our, to our community. Well, Nino, thanks for joining us this uh, month, and I hope to have you back next month as well. So yeah, we can talk sure. about the July issue. Okay, uh, you've, you've got you don't have to you don't have to get your ink, your hands ink stained like Jimmy does. So uh, uh, you know you've got a the virtual version, and it's the standard ps dot com, and mm-hmm. we'll be sharing that on uh, the Gay Desert Guide uh, social media pages as well. Well, thank you, and also just so, so you know. Uh, Every month we have continuous uh, uh, columns. Every month, the same, you know, writers who write, who contribute, like Jill Langham and Dan Foley and and um, Lee Lynch, uh, and also uh, a really good article that we have every month. And thank you, Sham, for hooking me up with this gal. Her name is Kathy Ruggles Vernay, and she writes our trans transgender column. She's she's brilliant. She's she's uh, a, a, an amazing writer. I'm I mean, so glad. Yeah, you know she. she I, I'm so glad you hooked me up with her because she. I mean, I don't have to, actually. I don't even have to do anything to your article. I, her article, I get it. I read it, and it's fine. I don't even have to edit nothing. It's she's perfect. a kid that I met through doing a Harvey Milk video right, for College of the Desert's Gay Straight Alliance. Yeah, and that's how that, and you introduced me during uh during yeah. one of the uh, the Harvey Milk events. Yeah, yeah sure. Well, sure. good. I love what and you she, do. Yeah, she does it. So she's 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 uh, I'm really proud of her and and enjoy Nino that. has been in magazines, in PR, in publications for 22 years here. How long? I'm guessing. Who me? Yeah. Um, I've been here. I've been in, in, well, I started at the Desert Sun in 1996. Right. Okay. And I worked there for six years. So 24. About, yeah. And then I went to the bottom line for 12. Yep. 
And then from the bottom line, when that went crazy, I started my own thing. So it's eight years now going on nine with the Standard Magazine. I have oh. written for you. I yes. read from you. Yes. I love you. I want to drink you. with you. We're glad to have you. Thank you so we much. You will do that. And as long as you never talk about the unfortunate skiing accident ever Stop again. Stop it. Don't bring it up. <laughs> the I incident. So yeah. Thanks, All right. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Well, thank you guys for uh, being here. It is going to be an interesting uh, few days as we uh, move forward. So stay cool, get in the pool, go to gaydesertguide.com for uh, Brad Furr's uh, updates on everything going on in the community. And of course, make sure you sign up for Jimmy Bogle's uh, newsletter, which will come at you a few times a week at cvindependent.com. Shankar, don't get waterlogged in your pool. That's my life dream. What are you talking about? It's been great to be with you all. Bye. Have a great week. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Like us on Facebook at I Love Gay Palm Springs and on the homepage of GayDesertGuide.com.